0: Thank you for joining us on Warrior Women Speak. I'm Judge Rosemarie Aquilina, author of Just Watch Me, and I'm joined with my co-host, Sherry Botwin, LCSW, social worker and trauma specialist, and author of Thriving After Trauma, Stories of Living and Healing. We have created this podcast for your enjoyment and so that we all can talk about our issues and learn together about how to deal with trauma and those things that spring up in our everyday life. Please join us for every episode and let us know what you want to talk about. Now for the show. Welcome back to Warrior Women Speak. We've had so many requests about narcissists and setting boundaries. And of course, I know Sherry, you and I were talking and both of us have seen that coming out of COVID and getting back into the workplace, the restaurants, the friendship zone, there are a lot of people who are struggling with leaving their homes. And even I've noticed personality changes and, from what I know from some of my friends and people I know, it's because they've been homebound too long with a narcissist and they've really lost themselves. And I don't know the therapeutic, and maybe you can help us with the definition, but what I think of when I hear the word narcissist is someone who has extreme self-involvement that with themselves. And it they ignore the needs of others. And there's a total lack of regard for others' feelings, what they want, what their needs are. And it may seem that they're trying to address someone else's needs, but it's really they're addressing the need to have those people serve them at any expense. And the cost is that the person who is around the narcissist ends up losing themselves
1: that was a great way to describe it. And as you were just describing the characteristics of a narcissist, I'm thinking about what happens for the person on the other end of that. So what happens if you're in a relationship with someone who's a narcissist, you start to feel like you aren't a person. You start to feel like you don't exist in the lives of other people, almost like you're, your identity, your needs, your wants, your feelings all disappear. So I think what's been happening is with being isolated from our normal friendships, connections, family, and spending a lot more time with the people we live with, people who are in these relationships, they don't even know that they're in them because it becomes so normal. And I think With a narcissist, another very devastating effect is they have a way of making you feel like you're the crazy one. When you try to say, I don't like when you do this, I don't want you to say that. When you try to set boundaries with a narcissist, you are made to feel like something's wrong with you and that is not okay.
0: Well, and what I find fascinating because you know on the bench and I tell people this all the time, you can't. Draw a picture of what a predator looks like because there is no definition. Anybody who looks like the most handsome, charming person could be a predator. And the person on the street who looks homeless might not be a predator. There's no actual just defining description. And I think that's true with narcissists. They're often charming, charismatic. They don't show the signs of being a narcissist. And it really could be anyone you know. Uh, or come across, and then suddenly these traits start appearing, and the sort of uh, covert operation, it's not overt, it's nothing that we can define right away, and it's almost a a covert, very silent, creeping thing that happens, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm grabbing my
1: pad and my pencil, because I need to write stuff, because as you were just saying that, one of the things that i learned as a therapist when i meet new when i meet somebody new or when i'm talking to somebody who's in a new relationship one of the flags or warning signs i think when you may be getting yourself involved with a narcissist is if when you first meet them if you feel like this is the best person i've ever met i've never felt so comfortable or so attracted to, or so cared about by somebody. This is something that I learned. And I actually learned this through doing therapy, but I think what I'm coming to understand is people with narcissistic personality traits often in the beginning show not just are on their best behavior, but they have a way of charming and pulling us in. So we're we're feeling like this person's gonna make my life better. This person's making me feel better than I've ever felt before. But if you feel it in a way where it's almost like over the top, if that feeling is so big, we need to pay attention to that because when you first meet somebody, you can feel attracted to them. You can feel like this person has good boundaries. This person has, has a, is able to show empathy. But when you feel it in a way where you're almost like on the clouds, and you've only been with that person a week or a month, that's a warning sign.
0: Yeah. And what I mean by, so nobody's confused, like a covert narcissist, it's someone where there's, what you're talking about is hidden abuse. You think they're the best person ever, but they slowly steal your freedom and your ability to matter to yourself in this world. And they are covert narcissists, are really thieves of the most devious kind because they slowly infiltrate your life, like you're saying, you think they're the best thing, and so you start believing them and trusting them right away. And slowly, they take one piece of you at a time, and they just don't have any understanding that that is wrong, that you need the freedom to be you, and that's where we're going to talk about setting boundaries. So this does not happen. And sometimes that boundary means say, no, walk away. We're done. So
1: I was talking to somebody today who has, she's in her early thirties and she has a history of attracting to narcissistic people in her romantic life. And she comes from a family where mom has many of these tendencies. So we were talking today, she's been dating this guy for about four and a half months. And we looked back from the first couple weeks. And then we started talking about like maybe week seven or eight. And then today we were talking about the changes that she's starting to notice as she moves into like the fourth, fifth month of the relationship. And what you just said, these are some of the things that she said to me. She said, she's saying, I don't feel like this person is supporting me. I don't feel like this person is giving me space to be me. I feel like this person is all about him. She talked about how this was a good example. I'm always the one going to his place. She talked about he's having some type of injury right now and he keeps sort of talking about it, but not in a, I want you to support me. And I want you to take care of me, but I want you to take better care of me than of yourself. So we were talking about all this. And then today was the first day that she told me this. She said, when I tried to say to him, when I tried to set a boundary and say, listen, like I need to be able to do me also, like for instance, on the weekends, she spends her whole weekend there. She has no time to spend with her family, with her pets. Her friendships are sort of like not even there right now. And we were talking about that today. And when she tried to voice that to him, instead of him saying, "Um, I'm so glad that you told me this. I don't want you to feel that way. Um, What he did was he flipped it back on her and he made her feel like, a piece of shit basically i mean that's how she described it and she w- we were talking about that today and because she's been in this pattern of attracting to a very similar type sh- what she said to me today was this is what i'm going to do i'm going to talk to him and i'm going to tell him one more time these are the things that i need to be able to stay in this relationship and she was talking about the need for independence the need to feel heard The need for support and she said to me which i thought was great she said to me if he gets defensive or if he starts to put it back on me i'm going to say to him you know what this isn't working for me and i'm i'm out of here and again this is somebody that i've been working with for years who's had a history of being in very emotionally abusive relationships so the difference is instead of waiting two years now she's after three or four weeks of starting to see the flags, she's speaking up about it and she's taking action.
0: Yeah, that's because she has you in her corner <laughs> and That you're allowing her. Well, and hopefully our listeners are looking for those red flags. But I think the message that I'm hearing that I hope other people are hearing is that we have to build boundaries early in relationships before those patterns emerge and are established. And then we're put in a position of questioning ourselves and allowing a narcissist to really gaslight us into believing that we're wrong. And there's, there's problems that we create when we really don't. And, you know, if the person who you're with doesn't like your boundary or doesn't honor them, It's time to choose yourself and to leave. So hopefully she will leave because it doesn't sound to me like he's going to get better. It sounds to me like once that pattern is there, he'll get worse. But the damage of a narcissist is both internal, it's external. They take your confidence. They build in fear. They really try to change who you are. And it sounds like she's starting to recognize, hey, I'm losing a big piece of myself. And, you know, if someone says something that you can't flirt a little or call your friends or your family or like the pets there or you're making decisions based on you might upset someone there's a narcissist in your life you need to learn to walk away not walk on eggshells not alter who you are not lose your spontaneity because you question yourself and you overthink it because of someone who you're with. If you want to be spontaneous, be who you are. Don't let anyone tell you not to do that because that's the narcissist in your life and they need to go. And what happens, I think when somebody's with a narcissist, they start to feel like
1: if I leave this relationship, I'm never going to find somebody. I'll never meet somebody or I won't be okay by myself. And this particular woman that I'm talking to you about is one of the most independent, uh, how would you say this? Like she's the type of person when she's single will get in her car and go across the country. She goes to different trails, she takes classes, she's always wanting to grow in her professional life. And one of the things that she said to me today was, I miss the old me, I miss that time. And I said to her, A healthy relationship is about compromise and balance. It's not that you're going to want to get in your car and leave every weekend because, of course, you're going to want to spend time with your boyfriend. But if you're telling me you're longing for that old me that sort of was there before, that's a problem right there. Because she has now basically, like you're saying, she is no longer all of who she is.
0: Right. And her saying no or anyone saying no should never end up in harassment or bullying, uh, turning that no into a yes because uh, they guilt you into it, being gaslighted, bullied, uh, groomed into believing that you don't have a voice, uh, that you're wrong, all of those things are wrong. If you say no, they should honor it and you should do what you want to do. And a great consequence to uh, that person for not letting you be you is to just simply shut them out of your life and go forward. But that is a really difficult thing to do once you've invested that much time into someone, isn't it?
1: It's so hard. And I don't know for you with the people that you know, who have been in these types of relationships, but so many clients that I've worked with, unfortunately, their experience with being in a narcissistic relationship goes back to childhood. So a lot of people, including this particular woman that I'm talking about, they grew up in families where she was made to feel like she couldn't say no. She was made to feel like she had to do things for her mom that wasn't her responsibility. I I talked to so many people. I was talking to another young woman who, who's, from what it sounds like to me, mom is married to a narcissist and this is a woman who's in her early 20s. So she's still, she's still sort of a kid at my eyes at this point in the sense that she's only been out on her own for two years. The whole time she's been on her own, she's been in and out of this relationship with this particular guy who is very controlling, manipulative, uh, I mean, we could say the word narcissist a million times, I think, you know, selfish, self self-concerned and what happens for her is she gets to the point where she says i've had enough and she will tell him because this is this this other woman that i'm talking about is is not as wounded i guess you would say from her childhood so she will say you can't talk to me like that or she will call him out on his stuff And they will get into it. And then he'll start calling her names and he'll start putting her down. And she'll say to him, you can't treat me like that. And he then comes back and says, I'm so sorry. I promise I'll never do it again. Please don't leave me. So then we haven't really said this yet, but the other piece is when somebody tries to leave a narcissist, then they flip back, I think sometimes into those qualities you saw in the beginning those charming sort of irresistible qualities. And for this particular woman, that's what I'm seeing. Every time she's like really ready to go, he says or does something that pulls her back in.
0: It's the power of control wheel that we see over and over again. If anybody wants to look it up, Lenore Walker, just look up Lenore Walker and you will see the power and control wheel. I teach it. I see it in court. You and I have talked about it many times. And there are a lot of things that fit into that wheel. And a narcissist is one of them. They don't have to punch you in the face. They're taking a piece of yourself nonetheless. And then when you say, I want out, then, and they realize that you mean it, you're going to take your you-ness back, you know, then they are, oh, don't leave me. And they're using the guilt. And you should never have to defend yourself or advocate for yourself being you. You should just be you, not be stripped of you. you, you use your you and don't adhere to their rules. Make your own. You define yourself because they want to define you and guilt you and control you and take your power and not let you be true to you. So keep your you your power, and focus on what makes you you. And if they can't handle it, then the consequence is they don't get to spend time with you. And that's a boundary. What do you think about when you hear
1: from people that they're trying to express something great that happened? I got a promotion or I just got into this program or I'm finally getting along better with my parents. And then they're in a relationship with somebody who instead of supports and celebrates these victories, makes them feel bad about being successful. What do you think about that?
0: That is absolute manipulation to make them feel that they are less than not more than because that other person is completely threatened by whatever they've achieved. And so now um, they are guilted into believing, well, okay, it's really not that great. And I'm just bragging and I'm really no one. And they're just all of that. Well, reverse it around, choose yourself and say, yeah, I am that great. And I don't need to be with anyone who is not my cheerleader. And you know what, I think this is something that I've experienced earlier in my life. And what I've
1: learned is if you allow yourself to be around people who raise you up or make you feel like what you're telling them is important or that they're interested, when you finally allow yourself to be in a relationship with somebody who can do that, it's, it's the best feeling because then you realize, listen, there's there's room in this world for both of us to be successful. This is not a competition. This is not, let me put you down so I can put myself back up on that pedestal. So what I, and I think this was one of the things I was talking to uh, my first client about that I'm telling you about the one in her early thirties. I said to her, the, the great thing about what you're doing is you by by recognizing this earlier on in the relationship and and being able to talk about it, because again, She, When she was in this situation before, I didn't know about it until months or years later because she didn't even know that she would need to talk about it. She had no idea that what was being done to her was not okay. So we were talking today about can you picture yourself being with somebody who would be excited for you about she just Uh got this promotion or wanna sit with you because one of her pets just had surgery and the pet was like distraught after the anesthesia. And instead of her boyfriend coming to sit with her, her boyfriend basically ignored her while she sat with her pet and was, she said to me, I just laid next to him and cried all night because I couldn't stand to see my pet suffering, even though she knew her pet was okay. Why, If if you care about somebody, you don't ignore them when they're going through something, you put your shit aside and you, you, you be there for somebody else. And if you can't, you at least tell the person why that is. He just ignored her. He just acted like
0: it wasn't a big deal. Like, why are you upset about that? Yeah. Whether somebody emotionally or physically ghosts you, it's a way of control. That's just horrible. And as we're talking about this and achievements and being Proud of people rather than bringing them down. I think letting someone else achieve, being proud of them, lifting them up is the greatest gift you can give them and sharing in their joy because the next time they'll share in your joy. And the more we lift others up, the more we lift ourselves up. And the only way then to go is higher and higher up. If you bring other people down, you're also bringing yourself down, whether you realize it or not. And you're lacking self-worth and you're, you're lacking a sense of self and independence.
1: And unfortunately, people with these qualities don't have any awareness or insight. So they don't see, they have no idea why they're doing what they're doing, which in and of itself is a problem. But my, my next question for you is um, when we were talking, I know I'm asking you questions today, but when we were talking about doing this topic. And that people were asking us to do this topic recently on TikTok, which is not a platform that I uh, will watch, but I do hear about it. There is a hashtag right now going around, which is N-A-R-T-O-K, NARTOC. And basically what these videos are doing is these are people who are either in narcissistic relationships. I imagine there are therapists who are also posting videos or experts trying to, in a, fun and light way because TikTok is not a serious app, really. They're trying to express through uh, dance or music or a 30-second video posting something about what they think and feel. Why do you think that we're more focused on this now? Why did it take until like after the pandemic? Because narcissistic abuse, I don't even know if I heard that word until five years ago. Why do you think
0: it took this long? I don't know. I think it's all of the sexual assault and predatory behavior and bullying that we're all talking about now. These things are results of narcissists. And so when therapists like you put labels on it, one of the things that we look at when we're looking at predatory behavior is that they are narcissists and there's actually, isn't there, because narcissist doesn't have to mean just the person walking on the street that you meet and you end up in a relationship with, and it's kind of minor because there are actually diagnosis, right, for very narcissistic people. And I see them, I send many of them to prison Um, but I think that it's a label that has come out because of all of the predatory behavior and abuse that's out there. And so we're looking at very minor narcissists to huge ones that have to be pine bars because they can't be rehabilitated. But I think it's a really good conversation because we need people to not give away their power, to be able to defend themselves freely and have open discussions and to teach them if someone's not letting you speak, if they're always putting you down, if you can't be true to yourself, if you can't spend your own money, visit your own friends, then you're probably with a narcissist. And those are red flags, they're danger signs. And we see a lot of domestic violence stemming from that. And I think it's thankful to people like you who have raised the bar saying, not only do you not deserve that, but there's a label to it. And some people need treatment for it. And other people, no matter how much treatment, they're not going to be cured, because that's just who they are. Most of the books on this topic are written for the
1: person receiving the abuse, because a narcissist is not going to go on the Amazon search button and say, I need to read books about how to fix my personality disorder. So most of the books that I are, that I'm seeing and that people are grabbing are books that help you recognize first, if you are actually in a relationship that has these traits, but then it also talks about how to heal from narcissistic abuse. So when you are do um, you talk about these different warning signs. One of my suggestions for people is if you think you're in a relationship with a narcissist but you're not sure, this is when you want to write down some of the stuff that we're talking about. Do you feel unsafe emotionally? Do you feel like this person is isolating you from your friends? Do you feel like you're not allowed to have your feelings? Do you feel like, what you have to say doesn't matter. I would say that's a good place to start because it's so easy for us to realize something and then go back and say, well, maybe it's not that bad. Maybe I'm overreacting because often narcissists will tell us that anyway, that we're overreacting or we're making a big deal out of nothing. And I think for people who are listening today that are trying to heal, what from the wounds of narcissism, part of healing from this type of treatment is to be able to think about, and this is something that you could be writing down also, what what do I want to feel differently? How do I wanna feel in my next relationship? Maybe even you would write down some examples. When I get my next promotion, this is what I would want my best friend or my parent or my partner to say, whoever the person is that you have, this history with. I think it's important to identify what we want that would look different and to recognize that you can have that. Because I think if you've been in this type of relationship, even just a few months, it unfortunately can really, it can distort your view of people. Then you start feeling like everybody's going to be like that. It's hard to trust. It's hard to believe that there are people out here that would really have my back and want the best for me when you've been treated so so poorly
0: yeah i think that you have to ask yourself those questions and just many many others like um do you have to defend yourself um because you earned something or because you want to go somewhere you want to get a pet or whatever it is you want to do change your hair color are your feelings somehow being manipulated and just sort of look at those things and sit with that. But also I think one of the questions that should be asked is does the narcissist or your partner, you may not have that narcissist label for that partner yet, does your partner bring the worst out in you? So if you're wondering like, wait, I never never explode like that. Wait a minute, I never act like that. Wait a minute, I never go from zero to 10 but I do when I'm around this person. I think that's really a huge flag. And if you're being manipulated in any way and those things are happening, I think some of the things you can do would be to like put sticky notes on your mirror or in your car or in your wallet, wherever they don't have access to or whatever is meaningful for you saying, I have a voice, I'm worthwhile, what I need matters. Um, have a mantra in your head, because they don't know what you're thinking, play a song, you know, I am woman or something that really gets your blood boiling to really help you stick up for yourself. And there's lots of like subtle things you can do to bring yourself back, right? It's almost like
1: learning how to be your own cheerleader, but doing yes. it in a way that it really sticks. Those are such good ideas. And I think if you're out there and you're listening going, but I don't agree with that, I don't feel worthwhile, or I don't feel whatever it is that you're saying that we want you to feel, then that's when you call up a friend or your mom or your therapist or, or a mentor and you say, I don't think I am in touch with what the things, what the qualities are about me that make me a worthwhile person do you think you could possibly leave me a message and just tell me on my voicemail what makes me worthwhile? And then I would say to you, and then you go back and listen to that recording until you have it memorized. And then, yeah.
0: I don't know. Just, you know what you, you just rem- thought, made me think of something about the recording. I want, you know, I'm going to add on to that because I'm, I'm so excited. I might do this for myself because I have all these photographs that I take and I think it'd be just fun for people who wonder about this It's just, and if they've lost a piece of themselves is to, on top of what you're suggesting with these messages, go through their pictures and find their happiest moments and make a collage and hang it somewhere. The narcissist won't know why you've done that. But when you look at yourself, <laughs> if you can't mirror that happy person who you really are then there's something wrong. And you use that picture to remind yourself and to tell that narcissist to go away. Here's a boundary. You can't make me happy. You've got to go or I'm leaving. You know, Instead of them ghosting you, you ghost them. And don't just ghost them, stay away forever because there's always someone in the world who will be your cheerleader with you. Absolutely. And I love what
1: you're saying because I'm picturing you go and you make this collage and you hang it right above your bed and the person you're with doesn't even understand or see what it is that you're doing. Most likely the narcissist is going to say, what the frick do you have that picture up there for? Why'd you put that picture in there? They're going to have something negative to say. They're not going to look at that and go, wow, look at those pictures of you with your parents or your friends. Look how happy you are there. What a great
0: right. idea. I and love that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell my client that I talked to yeah. today to do that. <laughs> well, and isn't that just a great indicator? Like even in a new relationship, if you invite them to your partner, to your apartment or you show your partner your wallet or whatever, this collage and just say, look what I did. Isn't this fun? And they're, they sort of poo-poo it and say, well, that's really silly. Well, you know what? Goodbye. Maybe put them down the flusher way early in the the relationship because you need to have sort of these tests. You know, I watch all these Hallmark movies and they're sort of weird about, you know, 10 ways to lose a man or 10 ways to get a man or whatever it is. And they make fun of all these people who make lists. Well, lists are not always a bad thing. Sometimes you have to have a checklist in your head of who you are, who you want to be, who you want to be with, what you'll accept, what you won't accept. And all of those are boundaries and you can set up a a test for people. And if, you know, somebody makes fun of that picture, no matter who they are, walk away. I mean, you're actually making me
1: think of an example. When I was dating somebody and I had first gotten my dog, Chloe. Okay. Well, that dog for me, she was not just the dog. She was, she was my other half. And she was, she was a a wonderful, amazing. I don't want to even say thing, but So I was dating this guy and I brought Chloe over. I had like one of those bags, those little bags, because she was little King Charles Spaniel. I bring her in the house and he says to me, if you're going to bring your dog to my house, you have to keep her in the bag upstairs. I, and I, I, I don't think I'll ever forget it because I'm somebody, especially earlier in my life, really was so afraid to say no let me tell you something this is one of the gifts of Chloe that was probably one of the first times in my life when I was like oh hell to the effing no it was like you're gonna tell me that I have to put my dog and he knew he knew that I love this dog because I talked about her so it's one thing to say well, I don't know if I'm comfortable around dogs. Some people are afraid of dogs. But the way he, he sort of like summoned her to the bedroom. And when he told me to keep her in the bag,
0: I was so flipping pissed off. And I won't ever forget that. He was trying to steal your joy and make you miserable. And you didn't let him do that. Good for you. No, and, and that, at that- that's a yeah, really great example. Cause so visual, I can see it. <laughs> and you know me. So what I did was
1: I, I went upstairs and I put the bag down and I think I might've started talking to Chloe. And I said, Chloe, I don't think this is going to work out. And she jumps out of the bag. Wait, I remember this now. She actually jumped out of the bag and she ran down the stairs. And I was like, oh my gosh, he's going to be so mad. And then what ended up happening was I went upstairs, got the bag, grabbed that little doggie. And I said, I am out of here. And I, I never went back. And again, this is, this is the thing to keep in mind. If you have things that are really important to you, you need to use those things, whether you're, they're your children, your pets, your career, your, your hobbies. You should, and you've already said this, but you should never be in a position where you have to be made to feel like you have to choose that guy. What i realized, I don't know if this is true or not, but what I thought was he was jealous because he could see when I was with Chloe, that this dog was my heart. And I don't think he could tolerate sharing
0: me, my dog and him. He couldn't tolerate that. And you know what? That's pathetic. Yeah, well, and you set the boundary like this dog's important to me. And sometimes, you know, we I think we talked about this on one of our other episodes, but I think it bears repeating. Sometimes you're going to tell a parent, a grandparent, a friend, don't do this. You know, I don't want my children to have hard candy. I don't want my children to be outside after dark. I don't want my children to walk around the mall without um being you know right next to my side for whatever reason for safety reasons it doesn't matter if it's just because that's what you want you're the parent as long as you're not harming the child and if someone does not honor what you say gives them that extra piece of chocolate before dinner or you know I have my dad keeps feeding the puppies and one of them uh, is not allowed to have certain foods because it affects her and and I've said I can't afford a $3,000 surgery if she doesn't have Uh, extra food. If she just has the prescription food, she's fine. Quit doing it. So now at the dinner table, I have had to, when we eat, instead of having the dogs around us, I've had to physically remove the dogs um, to another room. And my dad is not meaning to be harmful, but he has Parkinson's. He's not uh, rationalizing that it's that harmful for the dog. But I've had to make that a boundary. And he's not happy about it with me. But it doesn't matter if if it's my father, my friend, whoever it is, If there's a boundary and you really mean it to be a boundary, you have to tell them what will happen and stick to it and not let the narcissist um, affect you, not let a friend affect you because they're not really being a friend, not let a parent, you know, at my age, I don't need my dad to tell me what I can and cannot do. And those are my dogs. And I took my dog away and said, not at the dinner table. Sorry. And he's mad at me about it. And I don't care because I have the right to make a boundary. And all of you listening, you have a right to make a boundary and keep it and set it and, you know, set it and forget it. If they want to push the button again, say no and walk away. You have to do that. And maybe one of the things to think about as we're getting ready
1: to end today is for those of you who are in the healing effects or healing in the aftermath of being in this type of relationship Listen to what Judge Aquilina is saying about the boundaries. One of the things that we can work on when we're no longer with a narcissist is that's an opportunity to not just work on feeling a sense of self and reclaiming the things that we love, but also taking the idea of setting boundaries and practicing setting them all over the place. Set them with people that you work with or your children or your friends. Who, because again, boundaries protect relationships. We have to set boundaries or we can't maintain a relationship. So I think if you're out there and you're going, but I don't, I don't know how to recover from this. That's one of the ways you recover your example of the dinner table. It's a great example that that's how you recover because you're, every time you're setting a boundary, you're reminding yourself that I'm important enough. And what I care about is important enough that I'm going to speak up about it. And your dad's mad at you, but what's he going to do? Like you said, he can't stop you. They're your dogs. It's your dinner table and you're in charge at this point. So to be right. able to, right. To be able to right. reclaim your sense of, I guess it's more about finding your re, finding your voice, reclaiming the idea that you actually have it and go out there and use it. Don't wait until you have your next boyfriend or girlfriend start working
0: on that now. And it's also in the workplace. People are returning to the workplace and everybody's behind. I know my docket's behind. We are quickly catching up, but I know that uh, places where we need reports from are behind. There's so much paperwork and things in every business that's behind. And Don't let your employer say, well, we're behind and now you're going to work double time and work you into the ground or tell you you're not working fast enough or, you know, are you too stupid to do this? I have seen things that are just so bad, so cruel to people. And I've had to step in and say, no, we're not doing that today. And in the workplace. And so you as an employee need to be able to say, no, I'm not doing that. And right now, employees are at a prime. I mean, employers don't want to lose you. It doesn't mean you use them, but you need to not be used. You need to be able to have the time and the space to go home to your family, to enjoy your life, and not be worked to death because you can't set a boundary at work. You have the right to set a boundary every single place in your life. It is your life, your time, and your voice use it, set the boundary, No is a good word. And boundaries really are what heal people,
1: knowing that we're capable of setting the boundary and getting a response that's more respectful because there's gonna be times when you're gonna be setting boundaries and people are gonna say something very different than what you might've heard when you were in the narcissistic abusive relationship. So I think that it's important. And I think when we talk about The workplace, the idea of balance and self-care, I think, you know, moving out of a pandemic, people feel like they have to make up for two years of lost time. We need to pace ourselves. We need to understand that our energy and our expectations can't just go 50% more because we're in our offices now. We can't. We're human beings and our needs are something that we have to be constantly evaluating and that's part of what healing is about is figuring out how to balance work life relationship life compromise but also demanding in in terms of what you say to yourself that there are certain things that just aren't going to be okay and to
0: really work on sticking to those boundaries and holding them i know our time is short but My last phrase to everyone is make sure that you are free to pursue your dreams, not someone else's. If someone out there wants you to pursue their dreams and what they want to do and their friends and wear their clothes, you're probably dealing with a narcissist or someone who shouldn't be in your life. You are a free human being. Choose your dreams, choose yourself and set a boundary. That's a great place to stop. Until next time, more of your women speak. Can't wait to talk to you again, Sherry. It's always so invigorating. And I can't wait to talk again
1: too. And I'm going to just say this because you haven't said anything about this. But just so you guys all know, Judge Aquilina's book, Just Watch Me, has come out in paperback. And I know she's excited about it. And I know I'm so excited for her. So I'm going to put you on the spot and... Be proud of you and say, you guys need to go out there and get that book because if you want to feel empowered and you want to feel like what you feel is important and you want to know what it means to fight for what you believe in, then you need to read her book.
0: Well, thank you. And Sherry wrote the foreword. So I appreciate that. So you'll you'll get to read Sherry and don't forget about buying her book, which also just turned into paperback. See, we're sort of twins in that thriving after trauma. So I have the hard copy and the soft cover. So I have them in my office and I stare at them along with mine. And, uh, you know, we're just having fun out there. So join us on our podcast. Join us on the internet. Join us in our books can't wait to see you and talk with you again. Can't wait to see you again.
1: Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us today on Warrior Women Speak. It truly is an honor to be able to sit down with Judge Aquilina and have such meaningful conversations. Stay tuned. Each Monday, we will be releasing new episodes in the hopes that we will inspire, uplift, and instill hope. Be sure to subscribe now to at Warrior Women Speak. Until next time.